0: To experience what we've been experienced this morning, already, we're blessed to have men who lead us in thoughtful prayers and in our singing, and in the communion. We're blessed to have friends and family who come together over and over again in order to worship God together as a family. It's a blessing. It's a blessing and a privilege, and and um, we I hope that we don't take that for granted. I appreciate Joseph. Luna focusing our minds on Christ and, and, and uh, as, he, as he led us in a prayer. We're going to be working out of Luke 23, so if you wanted to keep your Bibles open to Le- Luke chapter 23, we're going to go back a little bit from, from where we were in the reading. Several years ago, when I was at Oklahoma Christian uh, University, I, I, I studied... Uh, mass communication and advertising and public relations. And so we had to write at journalism, we had journalism classes, and we had to write, and and they taught us that our goal, or one of the things that we needed to do as we wrote articles and stories, was to answer questions, some W's and an H, and you've heard these, the who, what, where, when, why, and then the H, the how. And, and we were taught that you've got to answer those questions as you go through and you write your stories so that people know what and when and how and why, so that people know the background, what's happening, what what has happened, why it's happening. People need to know uh, from, from a journalistic point of view um, what's going on. I want to read chapter Verses 33 through 38 in Luke chapter 23. And as we read that, there is a phrase in there that we're going to land on and work off of this morning. I'll explain that in just a few seconds. But I I want to read 33 through 38 first. And this is New King James. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the King of the Jews. Throughout history, millions and millions of people have died, have been killed in various ways. But there was a death in history that is as different as as can be. A poignant death a special death, the most important death that has occurred. And in spite of the magnitude of this death, it is summed up in four words in the text in verse 33. As you look at that, there they crucified Him. There they crucified Him. We're going to break that phrase down this morning. And, and that we find in Luke 23, and, and we're going to use those words as our main points. And as we go through, we're going to answer the question where, and who, and what, and another who, and a why. We can start with when. When did this happen? And, and the when isn't mentioned in the text, but, but best estimates of the time of Jesus' death puts it around 29 or 30 Anno Domini, the, in the year of our Lord A.D., 29 or 30. That's not mentioned in the text, but what is mentioned in the text is, is the where. And we'll start there, because the word there is where. But I want to talk about this, this place where Christ was crucified. It was a cruel place. Whether anything else had ever happened there or not, whether any other person had been put to death, we know it was a cruel place because of the cruelty that Jesus suffered. And as we go through this lesson, and I'm going to try to take my time and help us to understand Christ and Him crucified. Because in life, in our Christian life, that's what it's all about. Christ and Him crucified. That's what Paul preached that's what we need to live. We need to contemplate this and meditate on this and think about this as much as possible. Christ and Him crucified. And I so appreciate the men leading us throughout, through our memorial service, through the Lord's Supper, and helping us to remember Christ and Him crucified. But He was crucified there, a cruel place called Gogotha, Translated in Hebrew, or Aramaic, depending on your translation of John nineteen seventeen, as the place of the skull, or a place called the skull. In Latin, it's known as Calvary. And that's why we have in the King James and the New King James the word Calvary. Not in the other translations that I know of. That's maybe, maybe one or two. When the New Testament was translated the, the, into Latin, the word calvaria was used. And King James translators used a familiar word calvary in their translation. But if you looked at the Greek, you would find the word cranion, K-R-A-N-I-O-N, similar to the word cranium. Cranium. And, and, and you have this word that is translated into calvary or the place called the skull and and that's where we get our phrase mount calvary is from that that idea the name of the skull and this is from from a few different sources and and as i was getting ready for the lesson i should have been citing sources so that i can tell you but then i i realized at one point We'd spend all, all day doing that, and so I'm not going to do that. But this is from different sources as to why the place might be called the, the the Skull Hill or the Place of the Skull or Mount Calvary. It's unknown, but there are possible a number of possible explanations that have been put forward, and here are just a few of them. It was a place of execution. That's why. Because it was a normal place where executions took place. And so one theory or one idea, one thought is that is that the reason that it was called the place of the skull was because the Romans would leave the people who died there to rot and decay, and skulls would have been littered around? Well, maybe, maybe not. But you think about the Jewish tradition of burying the dead, and the skulls wouldn't be, of, of the dead Jews, would not be um, left around. One idea was that it's a hill shaped like a skull. And so it looked like a human skull. Possibly. The the exact site is unknown. And I don't know if it's important that we know the exact site. But it is important that we know that it was there that he was crucified, that he was crucified at the place of the skull. The two There there are a couple of of possibilities. The two most prominent canons are, and this is according to another source that I read, uh, a, a place where, a place is called the location of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and Gordon's Calvary. Gordon's Calvary is on a hill that looks like a skull, but we can't be certain. We know, we know for sure. That Golgotha, or the place of the school, was outside of the city. We know that because we have scripture that says that. Hebrews 13 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. That's Hebrews. John 19 20. Then many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was hit, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. So wherever there was, it, it was where Christ was murdered. Where, there, that's where he was killed. And there are a couple of who's that we'll talk about. And the first one is the they. Where they crucified him, they well, who who would they be? First, the Jews. The Jews were responsible for His death. And you might argue, well, the Jews didn't crucify Him. They didn't do it. Peter asserted that that it was them. And so you could say correctly, the Jews... Had Jesus crucified, the Jews had Jesus crucified, they were responsible for his death. Luke 22, verse 2, they planned his death, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. They sought how they might not just have him arrested, not just have him tortured, but how they might actually get him killed. They conspired. They planned. In Luke 23, 20, and 21, they demanded that he died. Pilate is trying to wash his hands of him. And Pilate, therefore, in Luke 23, 20, and 21, reads, Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. They made the decision and they pushed it forward. And Pilate tried to get out of get him out of it. He found no fault in him. Herod found no fault. In him. And so they scream, no, crucify him. They had him killed. They had him crucified because of envy. Again, Pilate, Matthew twenty seven, eighteen. Pilate knew that they had handed him over because of envy. They were the Jews. That's one. You can also say technically they were the Romans. Because the Romans executed him. They did. They, they executed the execution. They're the ones who did it. They're the ones who by orders followed through with those orders and and nailed and and scourged Jesus, n- dragged him through the streets, nailed him to the cross, put him to death. They were res- they did it because they were ordered to do it. They crucified him even though they were ignorant of what was going on. That's one of the days. You have the Jews and you have the Romans. But finally, and most importantly to me, we are they. We are they. We're responsible for Christ's death. Our sins nailed him to the cross. Isaiah 53, 6 reads, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin. That's a, a Bible word, iniquity. It means sin. The sin, the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was our sin put on Christ that got him crucified. It was our sin. And you, that, you need to understand that and you need to think about it and you need to let that sink in and sober you up. It was our sin that had him crucified. 1 Peter 3, three eighteen reads, For Christ also suffered once for sins, Suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in spirit. He suffered once. Why? For sins. For whose sins? For our sins. We are the reason that Christ died. Our sins caused him in Matthew twenty-seven forty-six to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, and we are, without a doubt, when we are in a state of sin, separated from God. But that needs to be taken care of, and we need to be brought back to Him. We need to be reconciled back to God somehow, and that is through Christ. The Son of God was separated from the Father for a moment while He had our sins on Him. He is separated, and He cries out, Why have you forsaken me? To be God-forsaken is the most terrible punishment you can think. Think about that. To be separated from God, it is a terrible state to be in. But Christ is God. Christ is God. God and Christ and the Holy Spirit are one. To be separated from yourself has to be the most agonizing thing that you can experience. But because of the ugliness and the selfishness and the unholiness of our sins, Christ died. That's the first who. Where, there, they crucified Him. What about the what and the how? Oh, we come to this idea of crucifixion. And we use phrases, well, he, he hung on the cross. He was nailed to the cross. And we kind of, almost, not, not flippantly, but just quickly say that, well, Christ was crucified. And we have jewelry that shows him being crucified, but we think that they're, it's beautiful. It's that, that cross with Jesus hanging on there. But when Jesus said that He would be crucified, He wasn't saying, this is going to take place really quickly, I'm just going to get nailed to the cross and that will be it. Crucifixion was, crucifixion was one of the most horrible forms of punishment ever devised by man. I, I don't know how much of us spend time thinking about how horrible... Horrendous the crucifixion was. But we should. And I was hesitant to go into a lot of detail, graphic detail about the crucifixion because someone might be offended because it's too graphic. Or someone might say, you know, we've got to protect our kids from, from, from that idea of Jesus bleeding out on the cross, and I'll explain that a little bit. But but I, I got to thinking: Well, we don't have time to adequately describe the whole crucifixion process. But it is something that we need to get graphically Im- seared into our minds. How ugly, how terrible it was. Appears to have originated with the Persians in five twenty two B C. The Romans. W- honed that practice. In 71 BC, Spartacus uh, led over 6, 000, just thousands and thousands of slaves. It was an uprising. But over 6,000 slaves were, were crucified along the roadways leading to the city. 6,000 recaptured slaves. Jesus was crucified, but there was preparation. There, there were things that happened before he was crucified to him that were excruciating as well. The prospective crucifixion vision, victim as a rule, if, if, if someone is, is ordered to be executed by crucifixion, as a rule, they would be beaten. They would be scourged. It's not just a beating. It's a beating with a whip. And it's not just a whip. It's an instrument of torture. Christ Christ was not whipped. Christ was not just flogged. He was scourged. If you've never never seen that word, it's S-C-O-U-R-G-E-D, scourged. It's different from just being whipped. The Romans called it halfway death. Halfway death. And I I just wonder if, if while you're being scourged, if you're wishing that you were dead already, and I'll explain that, why I might wonder that from other sources now the scourging could only be administered by a trained Roman called a lictor, L-I-C-T-O-R Jesus would have been stripped of all of his clothing his hands tied above his head, the lictor would use a flagellum that would be a leather whip made of thongs and or leather with pieces of metal and bone tied broken bone, shards of bone tied to the ends of the, of the strips. Now you think about that. Each strip had a piece of bone or lead tied to the end, so it would tear into the flesh. Not just hurt a little bit more, but actually tear into the flesh and cut deeply. Josephus speaks of a man named uh, An- Ananus who was, he says, this is his description, whipped until his bones were bare, whipped until you could see their bones. Eusebius speaks of a martyr in Smyrna who was scourged, and he describes it, until the deepest veins and arteries were exposed. Even the inner organs of the body were seen, he says. Isaiah 53.5 He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes, His stripes, and we read that word stripes and we think of little marks on His body. But you've got to picture something else. You've got to picture strips of flesh, bleeding, open wounds, wounds, blood running down them and then after this process and we know of jesus that he was beaten untied put a uh, mocked a crown of thorns a robe all onto his bleeding body it's soaking that blood and, and, and these open wounds on his back. It will be taken off. It will be torn off. And he will go, He will have to carry this part of the cross with him as long as he could until he couldn't do it anymore on this, this back that has been torn to shreds. The criminal who is being crucified, or the the victim, would be made to lie on the ground with the crossbeam under his back. The arms were attached by nails. The arms and the wrists, the nails, were driven through the wrists. Because the Greek word rendered hands can also mean wrist in John 20, 27. And we could go on and on, and, and, and there are... So many pieces of literature out there and diagrams and, and uh, renderings that just as you're going through, it's, it's sinking in. Jesus wasn't just killed. He was tortured. He wasn't just crucified. He was ripped to shreds and then nailed and, and, and as he's nailed on this cross and he's, he's attached to the cross, it's on the ground. They've got to get it in the hole somehow and he's nailed. He's, he's ripped up. He's attached to, this, to this, this wood and they have to drop him into that hole. A little more excruciating pain already. That's the what and the how. We come to our second Who? There they crucified him. There they crucified him. Well who? Well Bible school answer is Jesus. Well Jesus was killed. That's who What do we know about him? We know that he had a lot of names. We sing a song Jesus name above all names. Beautiful Savior, Glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, Living Word. David led us in a, in, a, in a song earlier, His Name is Wonderful. Several phrases there describing Him. Who hung on that cross? On the cross, according to Luke 23, through 47 the Son of God hung on that cross. The Son of God Matthew 12, 18 describes it as God's beloved Son hung on that cross. It wasn't just a man, it was God's Son. On that cross died the good shepherd, John 10, 11, The great high priest, Hebrews 4, 14. The Holy One of God, Mark 1, 24. The King of kings and Lord of lords, 1, 1 Timothy six fifteen. If you would, look at Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to read verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It wasn't just a man who hung on that cross. It was God, God's Son, the most wonderful person ever to have lived, walked the face of the earth. He hung on that cross. I mentioned this before several years ago working in Holland. I had an opportunity to study with an Iranian girl named Farnaz, And we went through the book of Luke to help her with her English. But as she was reading, she was taking this in and she actually seemed to have fallen in love with Jesus. Loved Him. Would read stories about the good things that He did and just, just being. About how wonderful He was. And then we came to the point where he was killed and she cried I'd never seen anyone cry about Jesus being killed but she did she loved him she recognized who he was how he was not completely but enough to love him and to mourn because she understood that that was God's son The Great High Priest, the Holy One of God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who, that is the second who, and that was Him. Finally, we come to the why. And and, and it's not in our text, but we've got to understand why He was on that cross. Yes, we put Him there, but the why He was on the cross is to get us out of it. Out of that sentence, death sentence. In order for humans to be saved, why did he have to die? We know why because of us. Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, a ransom for many cost his life. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many, for many, for the forgiveness of sin. And 1 Corinthians 15.3, For I delivered to you first all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Why did He die? Because we sin. And we were separated from God. And we needed to be reconciled to God. And the only way to do that was a sacrifice needed to be made, and that sacrifice needed to be perfect, and that was Christ. Why did He die? Because we needed For him to die in order to get back with God, that was the only way. Where, who, how, what? Another who and a why. It's called the Good News. And it's hard when you contemplate the cross to think of the good news. But when I read from 1 Corinthians 15.3, that is sandwiched between Paul saying, I preach the good news. The good news is this, that Christ was killed, was buried, and was resurrected. The good news is that, yes, he died for our sins, but the great news is, live still. That's the good news. But He had to die. He had to be crucified in order for us to have hope. And it is an endless hope. And so, as we end, and as we've contemplated Christ and what He's done for us and what He's doing for us, but we've contemplated this death on the cross in a place called Golgotha, hopefully it has sunk in a little bit deeper than it was before. That I am loved and God wants me to be with Him god wants me to be with him if you are not a christian christ died for you so that you can be able to go to heaven if you're not a christian you're separated from god if you haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins you are still sinful with sin full of sin but you can take care of that. If you understand that Christ is the Son of God, is, is the Holy One, is the Good Shepherd, you understand that He died for you, you understand you're a sinner, you're ready to repent of those sins, Put to confess Him before men and put Him on in baptism, you're ready to do that. Let us know about that. And we'll rejoice and we'll go through that process with you. If you are a Christian and you've forgotten about how awful the crucifixion was but but the reason for it and you haven't been living your life in accordance to that knowledge to that idea then do something about it do something about it now's a great time to to let us know about your struggles and to ask for prayers to be reconciled to repent to come forward and let us know and and pray with you and rejoice with you and weep with you if the case is, But let us know about that. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward and letting us know, let us know as we stand and as we sing now. Tenderly Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for on oh, the portals oh, is